Yeah, it's, um, it's so great to be with you guys, and it's true. Um, um, I, I trust this won't make it on the recording, but you're my favorite, and uh, Matt's my favorite, and um, ha- having, you know, the last couple of years has been brutal um, for all of us, you know, but uh, one of the particular cruelties is the way it isolated us, you know. Meanwhile, we're all going through the hardest times in our lives and, uh, and facing all kinds of difficulties and, you know, and especially any kind of leadership role, you just realize you couldn't make anybody happy. Um, it's just which group is going to be mad this Sunday um, kind of thing. And, um, and, and so, man, the, the, the ability to actually just see each other has, was just remarkable. I videotaped Matt walking towards me um, at the train station, um, which must have looked pretty odd. Um, but that's how excited I was to see him. I just videotaped him walking towards me. Once, once we made eye contact and then we did like a, um, you know, if you've seen the movie Dirty Dancing, we did that, that thing where I, I picked him up. <laughs> I spun him around. Um, we didn't get that on video, sadly, so there's no proof. But um, anyway, yeah, just e- epic to be with you guys. Um, man, it, so I, I don't presume um, that, um, I know this sounds anti-American, but I don't presume, presume I know everything about what your situation is and all the rest. Um, but I imagine there's some similarities between what we've gone through and what you've gone through. Uh, so many challenges and, and difficulties and just, you know, you, you know I was telling Matt this morning, um, um, we're, uh, we're headed to France uh, tonight um, to go and see, you know, Normandy and, and the beaches there. And we had to take a COVID test to go there. And I was like, man, I get like, I've got like a little PTSD now because I'm so used to every time you get excited about something, you get, you just, you just, you just you're going to get disappointed. And so why even get excited anymore? All those things, I bet we have a lot of that in common. Um, and I think that as we're sort of edging out of that, you know, to some degree, I mean, we're able to do this together, which is awesome. I'm able to be here, which is great for me. Um, I think that there can be a sense in which like we as, as those of us who are already following Jesus can, can sort of hit like um, the easy button, you know, on things like let's just, let's just chill out for a little while. Let's just for a little bit, let's just enjoy this for a little while, right? Um, and I think there's, there, you know, there, there's something certainly to that. There are some ways in which, you know, um, you know, we're tired and exhausted and all those things and we can get refreshed and all that. But I think there are some things that... Um, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we just never get to hit the easy button on. We never get to stop doing. Um, and I think in that, if, we, if we're not careful, um, you know, sometimes you, you know, I, I hiked a mountain one time. I know it's hard to believe looking at me, but I did. I was much younger and in much better shape. Um, but I, um, I was, it was a tall mountain in Colorado called Pikes Peak. It's like uh, 12 or 13,000 feet or so. And I got halfway, which is well, it's halfway further than I thought I was going to get. Um, and so I got there, and there's a little spot where you can stop and sit down. And I looked at that little bench, and I thought, if I do that, that's it for me. I'm not getting up, you know? Um, and and I, I knew if I stopped there, I, I, I wouldn't be able to keep going. I, I, would just, I would just quit. And I'm nervous for us a bit in that, that there's things that we're just tired coming out of this season. I'm nervous that we're going to sit down and maybe you kind of not want to get back up, you know? And so I'm going to talk to us about something I just don't think we can afford to sit down on. Um, and that's this idea of, of being on mission. Uh, of loving people and engaging people around us in our communities, in our, in our world that, that don't yet know Jesus. I don't think we get to push pause on that, sit down on that, hit the easy button on that just because we're tired. So I'm going to read a story. Um, Acts chapter 8, be a familiar uh, passage to you. Uh, likely it's going to just read verses 26 to 40, um, and we'll see here. So uh, it says, an angel of the Lord uh, said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem toward, uh, to Gaza. This is a desert place. That'll be my first sign. I'm not going on this trip. I'm not going out in the middle of the desert. But uh, he rose and went. 
And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Big introduction to this guy. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, second little instance here, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, uh, hearing, uh, him and hearing him reading the Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, see, here is water. Why is that such a big exclamation point? Because they're in the desert, right? And so this is a miraculous thing for, uh, for the eunuch. He says, look right here. God's provided. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And just for good measure, here comes this fun part of the story. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, and he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Okay, um, epic passage of scripture here. I mean, you know, um, just, I mean, Philip getting teleported is pretty awesome, right? We could camp out on that all day, but I'm probably not the guy to try to explain that to you. Feels like more of a job for Matt. Um, but it's, I think, to me, a great case study on what it looks like to be a good missionary. Um, and for those of you maybe just checking out Christianity, you're just new to this whole thing, you're visiting the church for the first time. Um, I, I don't know who you are, so my making eye contact with you is just, it's me, not you. It's me being awkward, not you. Um, I don't have a list of people to stare at here. Um, but um, what I'll say is, if you're, if you're here kind of going, what is this Christianity thing all about? You know, one of the things you'll know is that for us Christians, you know, telling people about Jesus is a big part of w- what we're supposed to do. Why, you ask? Well, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's not like essential oils or something, you know. Um, It's not like if I tell 10 friends and they tell 10 friends and they tell 10 friends, I'll get a better, like, mansion in heaven. It's not like that. Um, We tell people about Jesus because Jesus is so good. He's so good to us. He's too good to keep to ourselves, right? Um, And so in this way, every Christian is meant to be a missionary. Um, And uh, I, I know you enough to know that this church is full of great folks who are missionaries, loving and engaging this community, not just uh, people around the world, but people here in your community, here in your town. Um, and I run into people in your town. I've been here enough to know people in your town. Um, and I run into them, and they, they talk about people in this room. So you're, you're making an impact, right? So that's a good thing. So um, I want to try to encourage you again, maybe remind you of some things. Again, I think that we are coming out of a really distracting moment in history. And this is one of the things I'm worried that might get lost. It gets kind of, we just get distracted away from it. And and I'm saying it especially to you in, this, in light of this building project moment, which is a beautiful thing, the blessed thing. I mean, you know, if, if COVID, you know, 2020 was a curse, this building thing, that's a blessing, right? But it's still the kind of thing that can distract you. Buildings don't reach people for Jesus. Missionaries reach people for Jesus. You're not going to get a new building and all the lost people in the pool go, oh my gosh, there it is. Like, whoo, that's what I was looking for, a new building. You know, no, it's, it's the gospel in us coming out of us, right? Demonstrated and proclaimed through us. So... Um, let's look at this. A couple of things uh, we learned from the story on how we can be better missionaries. Um, in verse 26, we see an angel comes to Philip, rise and go to the south. 
And then at verse 29, the spirit says to him, go over and join that chariot. I mean, uh, this, is, this is evidence of something here that, that I think we need right away if we're going to be good missionaries to pool and beyond. Good missionaries are obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. Now, you might have read the story and gone, I would do that too. You know, if like the Holy Spirit tomorrow morning, and if you woke up and was like a little push, push, and you open your eyes, it's an angel. He says, hey, I'd like you to go over to like, you know, go to this place and, and do this thing. You might, okay, great, I'll go because an angel told me to, right? Um, I know that it feels like it could be easier if the Holy Spirit was as vividly de- you know, demonstrative to us as he seems to be here in this passage to Philip. But we have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit. And, and uh, he can do those things. He could wake us up like that. I mean, might be a little bit more freaky, you know, might get more than we asked for, but um, he, he could do that. But, but he's always, uh, he's dwelling inside of us always every day. And I think um, this is a good reminder for us that the same spirit who did it to Philip is, is the same spirit that dwells in us. And so you and I, when we leave here today, we're going to encounter lots of people. I don't know where you're going to go after this, um, but, but everywhere you go, it's an amazing thing to think that all the people everywhere you go, everywhere, all those people, the Holy Spirit knows everything about all of them. He knows about how they struggle. He knows where they're grieving. He knows the big questions they have about who God is, the, you know, the, the big obstacles you know, between them and like you know, faith in Jesus. He, he knows all that. And he is like he did with Philip, wanting to use you and me, Right? Um, and so if you're here and you're kind of going, gosh, I don't even know where to start. You know, how do I even start like telling people about Jesus at school or at work or my neighborhood or wherever? I, I don't even, where do I even begin? Man, a simple little thing that I, I try to do that I would encourage you to do is just to pray each morning, maybe while you're brushing your teeth or something, imagining we all do that. You add it to your little morning rhythm of teeth brushing. Some just simple prayer of Holy Spirit today. Would you just use me? And maybe you have to Maybe it has to be an angel. It has to be so, maybe, maybe I need something that bold, but just, if you'll just use me wherever I'm at, give me a chance to tell people about Jesus. Help me. Hear the helper. Help me. Lead me like you led Philip uh, to, to show people who Jesus is. So led by the spirit. Second one we see is, is how Philip points him to Jesus, right? So the eunuch in verse 34 says, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news, told them the good news about Jesus. Now, what's interesting is this wasn't John 3.16, right? It wasn't like the, he's riding along in the chariot, and he's reading John 3.16, and, you know, uh, God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Who's this about, Philip? Softball, you know, just right there, te- right teed up for you. Um, it wasn't John 3.16, it was Isaiah 53. And Philip's like, I got this, Right? And so this, I think, is a, is a skill set for us. Good missionaries are skilled at pointing people to Jesus. We're able to pick up right, right, right where that life question's at, right where that moment's at. And from that point, we can, we can point people to Jesus. He's able to jump from Isaiah to Jesus. Bam, right? Now, I want to suggest to you that I think this, this is evidence to me that Philip's done some pregame work right? He's done some preseason work. He spent some time in, in scriptures like Isaiah. He spent some time mining it out and saying, man, that's about Jesus, and that's about Jesus, and that's about Jesus. And I think a big part of the series that you're, you're heading into or into right now, or you're looking at the Old Testament, is good pregame work, right? It's a good chance to like see that the, Jesus isn't just in the John 3.16s of the Bible, that the whole Bible is telling one big story about this big God who, who would go out of his way to reach us and save us. And, and so I, I think that's a kind of pregame work that you and I can do. And, um, you know, if you're thinking, I don't even know where to start with that. Well, you've got elders and leaders in this church who would love to help you. 
They don't have time for that. They will make time for that, right? If you come and said to Matt or Richard or John or anybody else you know, in the room, hey, help me to figure out better how to understand seeing Jesus in the whole Bible, they will make time. That's like, that's like what we live for, that kind of conversation. So he had spent time in the word. He, he knew how to do it. But, but it wasn't just the word. Philip's also, he, he's got this skill set of asking good questions. So he doesn't just jump right in. He says, he doesn't say, oh, you're reading the Bible? That's great. Here I was. Thought, I thought the Spirit told me to run up to your chariot. Must have been a different chariot. No, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And sometimes we're so quick to go, well, they went to church on Easter. I mean, they must get it, right? They must get it. Instead of going, hey, do you understand? Do you understand what you're reading? Like he, he's able to ask engaging questions. And for too long, I think a lot of us, one of, the, one of the things we've messed up in our attempts to be good missionaries is we've been too quick to quote Bible verses and too slow to ask questions. And if you look at Jesus, he's always asking these engaging questions, drawing out of people what's really going on inside of them. So, man, being able to like pick up from anywhere in the scripture and point to Jesus is a skill. Being able to ask good questions is a skill. One more skill that we see here, that, you know, pointing people to Jesus um, is Philip gets in the chariot with this guy. He gets comfortable, you know, he, this is the space where, where, um, where the eunuch was comfortable. This is his chariot. And Philip gets into that chariot. Now, I know you might be thinking, this guy's reading way too much into the text. Maybe I am. But I think we see evidence of this in other places. Jesus gets in Zacchaeus' home. Jesus gets in Peter's boat. There, there's, this, there, there's something about getting into that person's comfort zone, getting into their world and I certainly know this as a pastor, you know, for years I tried to have people have come to the church office and have coffee with me. So you don't know anything about Christianity, you're, you're just checking this whole thing out. Let me create a non-intimidating environment for you. Come to a church office and stare at a wall of commentaries behind me as we have coffee, right? That is like super intimidating. And I spent months and months with people trying to have coffee only to realize that they were never going to talk. But when I asked them what they're into and I got into that, I got into their chariot, like their, their world just opened up, right? Because they felt comfortable. And so um, maybe I am reading too much into that, but I don't, I don't think so. I think there's something about being in someone's comfort zone, asking good questions that often leads to their hearts being opened. Okay, so those are two things, just a couple of more. Um, the next thing we see is, is Peter, or, uh, sorry, is Philip at the end, he gets, he gets picked up and dropped somewhere else, right? So he finds himself at Azotus. He passed through there. He preached the gospel to all the towns. He came to Caesarea. Um, I think what we're seeing in this, and really in this whole chapter, is that good missionaries are willing to take the gospel to anyone, anywhere, at any time. Anyone, right? So in, this, in the chapter, uh, you've got so far, you've had Samaritans, uh, magicians, now a eunuch, right? Now it's going to be these folks um, in these other towns, like any, anyone, anywhere. Again, Jerusalem, Samaria, desert, Azotus, etc. And so anyone, anywhere, and then at any time. Um, and I, I want to just double-click on the anytime piece because I think it helps us in this moment we're in. Why, um, why was Philip on this journey in the first place? Was this like spiritual tourism, you know? Is this like a, wh- why? Why was, he, why was he on this journey? Well, Philip, we learn from the rest of this chapter, is on this journey because of persecution. And in verse 1 of this chapter, uh, there arose on, on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they're all scattered. Throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, devout men buried Stephen, made great lamentation over him. Their friend was dead because of the gospel. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. 
What we've got here, the context is not, you know, um, Philip's just kind of on some spiritual journey. No, Philip is, uh, has been recently made homeless. He's a nomad now because of the gospel. I, can, I think we can all say that would have been a not so easy time to be a Christian. Puts a lot of our current situation in perspective. I was in Kurdistan, um, northern Iraq back in January, and I had a chance to, they, they, we, they brought in um, uh, underground church leaders from Iran and from Syria, and we went to this like remote mountainside camping spot, like way up in the mountains, super remote, four-wheel drive the whole way to get there just to be able to have a conversation. And I just wept hearing story after story of the courage as they, as they preached the gospel and the miracles, like Jesus showing up in dreams and saving people, and oh, this is crazy. But like friends being thrown in prison, friends being killed, and you think, geez, that puts my my little. You know, we were angry about wearing a mask. You know, like that puts us puts us in check, right? We read this passage and think, gosh, maybe that was harder than this. And things have gotten harder, right, for us um, in these days. That, that's that's certainly true. And it's not just the COVID stuff; it's the increasing cultural complexities and ethical dilemmas and everything else that goes with it. By the way, your pastor Matt is Yoda smart at that stuff. He is the guy that all of us around the world keep looking to to tell us what we're supposed to think and do. So consider yourselves blessed. Um, Things have gotten harder, and there were days where it felt like easier to tell people about Jesus. I hear you. But it's no use pining for the old days. Good missionaries just play the hand they've got. When the going gets tough, tough missionaries get going. Philip didn't just sit around, think about the old days. I used to have a home. Stephen used to be alive. Things used to be better. Now, quote, he went about preaching the word. This guy just got on with it. My friends, we got to just get on with it. Can't sit around and think about, oh, I wish it was this, oh, I wish for that. Maybe it'll come around again. And then what? Then we'll start telling people about Jesus again. Feels a bit cruel. Feels a bit unfair. He went about preaching the word. The last thing we see here I think is easy to miss. Just quickly to revisit that passage the eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before his shear, his shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who, who can describe his generation for his life was taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. If you don't, have, if you don't get anything else from the morning, I'm saved the best for last. Um, this is it. Good missionaries never stop being amazed by Jesus. A lot had changed for Philip. He was away from his home. His friends had died. Persecution was just brutal. But one thing had never changed. Philip still loved telling people how good Jesus was. My friends, we've all been through a lot. But this must not change. We've not been through enough to make us go, people don't need to know about Jesus. We never want to turn the Bible into a book of lessons for, for helping others. We want to keep being amazed by the goodness of Jesus. Um, there's, another good, there's another missionary in the Bible to use that terminology, uh, if Philip was a good one, Jonah was a bad one. And Jonah was gifted, likely seems way more gifted and talented than, than Philip was. Jonah was really smart. 
maybe even smarter than Philip was. What Jonah had, though, he knew a lot in his head, but he had forgotten a lot in his heart. And I, I think this is, an un, this is a, a tragic trend in Christianity. The longer that you can be a follower of Jesus, the more knowledge you can accumulate in your head. And sometimes, even, even unknowingly, you, you and I begin to, to, to disassociate that knowledge with our heart. And, and head, head knowledge about Jesus that doesn't lead to heart knowledge about Jesus is a dangerous thing. So the good news about Jesus, is it still good news to you? Or has the good news become old news? If you um, if you've found, maybe even as I've talked this morning, like, oh, okay, all right, I'll do it. Like it just if it's felt like duty and not like delight, like, man, yes, I want to tell my friends about Jesus. May I suggest that the former points won't really help you until this one gets sorted. You and I have got to be amazed by Jesus again. And um, Dane Orland, Gentle and Lowly, this book's getting quoted about as much as the Bible these days, but it's, it's interesting. I think it's really struck a nerve because it's, 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 it's tapped into something that we've forgotten as Christians. He says here, It is the Son of Christ's heart, not the clouds of my sins, that now define me. We who are in Christ no longer look to the future for judgment, but to the past. At the cross, we see, all, we see our punishment happening, all our sins being punished in Jesus. God's love, as Jonathan Edwards puts it, is an ocean without shores or bottom. This is the greatest news in the history of the world. I'm going to read it again, and um, may, may I just ask you to close your eyes and just hear it for yourself. My friends, it is the Son of Christ's heart, not the clouds of your sin that now define you. You who are in Christ no longer look to the future for judgment. You look to the past. Isn't that amazing? Because at the cross, you see all your punishment happening. It's already happened. And all of your sins, dirty, shameful, disgusting sins, have been punished already in Jesus. And that means that God's love for you it is an ocean without shores or bottom. It is an ocean without shores or bottom. That is the greatest news in the history of the world. My prayer for you is that you would be reminded of how amazing Jesus is. We've all, um, like Philip, we've all come through some difficult stuff. We've all experienced significant loss and upheaval and change and enough to disorientate us and distract us and Enough to make us just want to sit down and say, I didn't sign up for this. But there's still breath in our lungs. And there's still people in our communities who don't know Jesus, which means we should just go about preaching the word like Philip did. If you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, um, well, I'll tell you a little secret too, that this is not really a story about a good missionary as much as it's a story about a good God. This eunuch um, might have been multiple trips he'd taken, but this is one where he'd gone to Jerusalem, now he's on his way home, and he'd made that long trip. I've been to Ethiopia. I'm telling you, it's pretty far from Jerusalem. That's a long plane flight, let alone a chariot ride. That's a heck of a trip. The whole way thinking, maybe this time I'll get my questions answered. 
and on the way home going, I still don't really understand this. I'm reading this prophet. I still don't even know. What, what are they, who are they talking about? Man, what a God who would, who would see this little chariot moving again from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia, still got questions, and would go wake up Philip and say, hey, you're going to go get this guy in the middle of the desert. This is not just about a good missionary. This is really about a good God. This Ethiopian, he was a eunuch. We don't have time to get into all that. Let's just say he didn't fit the mold. He was a Gentile. He wanted God, but he probably thought, does God really want me? Going to a religious meeting every now and again, reading the Bible every now and again, not understanding, not knowing. And God said, I want you to know who I am. And he actually seemed like he had it together. I mean, so maybe that's you and you're thinking, gosh, I know, but I'm not really like this. I'm not a drug addict per se, you know, like this, this guy had a good job. Seemed like a good guy. Seems really responsible. I mean, he's, you know, good guys with good jobs need the gospel too. But um, I think beyond that, what we see is we have a God. Philip's great because he gets in the chair. We have a God who, who does that too. He gets into our, our stinking chariot. I was thinking about it, you know, um, we, imagine this, we imagine travel differently because we just can't even conceive of what it was like. But imagine how hot it was traveling through the desert from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. And you don't have deodorant. There's no air conditioning in this chariot. There's no uh, indoor plumbing, okay? There's no sanitary wipes and hand sanitizer. Okay, I'm not trying to be crass, but you know, I'm American, so you'll let me do it a little bit. Um, imagine how stinky this chariot was on that long ride. We have a God who sees how bad our chariot stinks. He sees how bad our mess is, and he still wants in. We are praying this morning about, about the service, and we were looking at, uh, in John 11, uh, Jesus goes to his friend, Lazarus has died, and he's been dead for four days, and Jesus is going to raise him from the dead, and Jesus says, roll back the stone, and, Mar- and, and, and the sister shouts, there will be a foul odor. It's going to stink. He's been dead four days. It struck me, you know, I think a lot of times what keeps us from like really opening ourselves up to this God is we're just embarrassed about how stinky our situation is. Jesus already knew there was going to be a foul odor. He wasn't like, you know what, good point. Does anyone have a mask, you know, because it's going to be foul. Oh, a couple thousand years too early for that, right? No. Jesus wasn't put off by the stench. He's not put off by the death. He's not put off by your situation. He wants in. He wants in on your chair. He wants in on your mess. He's not asking you to clean it up first, and then he'll stop by later. He wants in. And so if that's you, that's what this story is really about, a God who wants in on your mess. Get into your story and change your life. I was in, when I was in Ethiopia a couple years back, they told me how much this story means to them. It's interesting. I never thought about it. How, how they, they trace back the, the origins of Christianity in Ethiopia to this guy. That's incredible. What a legacy that guy left. God can totally change your life, but it starts with him getting in your mess. If you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus, a few thoughts for you. Maybe you're realizing that you've lost some of what Philip had, the joy of telling anyone, anywhere, anytime about Jesus. Maybe you have gotten tired and distracted Maybe other things have taken the place of that. I don't want you to feel guilted into action. Guilt is a powerful motivator. It's just a bad one. We can guilt you into stuff, but that's just not how God chooses to motivate us. Why would that be a good thing for us to do to each other? 
So guilt is not the motivator we need. Grace is. The gospel is. So my hope is as you kind of close out and you're, you're praying and you're singing that, that you would be flooded again with this reminder. Man, his, God's love to me is an ocean without shores or bottom. This is the greatest news in the world. That, but Paul says it's Christ's love that compels me. That his love again would compel you. I'm excited for the new building. Super excited. I plan on being back here a couple times next year. Um, got a baby on the run over here. Um, that's all right. I was in the middle of a, of a message the other night. We were at this point where we were kind of landing the plane, and a cute little girl broke wind in a significant way over here in the corner, and it was pretty much over from there. So um, <laughs> um, I, I can't wait to see this building. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. But you know, the most thing, I'm, the biggest thing I'm excited about is being filled up and filled up and filled up with people who right now are out there. They don't know Jesus, but man, God's put you here for that. Amen. That's what I'm more excited about than your building is all the people who get to hear about Jesus. But a building's not going to do that on its own, right? So you guys keep it up. I love you. We're just across the pond. It's really not that far. We're your biggest fans. We're so thankful for you. And um, I want to bring Blake and the guys up, and I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, thank you for this church, your church. And I do thank you for keeping us. You have blessed us. You have kept us. Your face has shone upon us. It's incredible, the goodness that we have in you, Lord. But pray that you would help, help us, Holy Spirit, from getting complacent. This is one of those disciplines that we may have, maybe that muscle was strong pre COVID, but with isolation and lockdowns and da 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 da, that muscle just got, got atrophy. If we're not careful, we won't, even know, we won't even notice it's gone. I pray that you would arrest us in that, Holy Spirit. Fill us again with love, wave after wave of this, this, this ocean of love. Flood our hearts. We'd see people in this community and beyond the way you see them. Holy Spirit, I pray you would supernaturally lead us into conversations and situations like you led Philip. We can ask you for that. You're the same spirit. We want to keep hearing story after story of you doing that. And for my friends in the room who might yet not yet really be a follower of Jesus, I pray this morning, God, they would, they would encounter you. You know the mess. You know the stench. They can't, all the air fresheners and little Christmas tree hanging things in the world are going to keep the smell away. You know it. You know it. You see it all. And yet you want them. You want them for yourself. You want to get in that chariot and deal with the stench and deal with the mess just like you've done for all of us. We thank you for this, Jesus. Amen.